You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome into the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. We had some media availability over the weekend on Saturday, and we got to hear from Clark Hunt, head coach Andy Reid, and quarterback Patrick Mahomes. On Monday, we heard from defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, defensive back Antonio Hamilton, and offensive lineman Mike Remmers. On the first half of this podcast, you'll get to hear from Hunt, Reed and Mahomes. We'll take a quick break and then you'll hear from Spagnolo, Hamilton, and Remmers. But first up, here is the owner of your Kansas City Chiefs, Chairman and CEO, Clark Hunt. Hey Clark, how you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Congratulations on that new book of yours. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Now you gotta read it now. So uh um, hey, wanted to ask you a couple things, Clark. We have not had a chance to talk to you since Pat's uh, new contract. Um, first off, um, what was your role in all of that beyond maybe what you normally would have on one of bigger, a, a bigger contract, like, say, Chris Jones, uh, Travis Kelsey, going back to last year, Frank Clark? And also, what layer or layers of difficulty did the pandemic add to, to doing that? Was it, was it difficult for the organization to proceed with a contract of that magnitude, not knowing where the future might be going? Yeah. Uh, well, just starting with my role, um, I've mentioned to you guys before on all of our big contracts, uh, I'm very actively involved with our staff, with Brett and his team in terms of working up the proposals and exactly you know where we want to go as we go through through the process. Uh, obviously, the timing was a big issue uh, on this uh, particular extension. Um, uh, not only because it was Patrick coming off the Super Bowl, but because we were dealing with the pandemic as well. Uh, I think you guys saw during the summer there were very few big contracts done. And uh, we just decided internally that, that we were going to move ahead. Uh, we know we've got a special group of players here, a young core of players who just won a championship and have, have a chance to win hopefully several more. And we just thought it was important to go ahead, get Patrick done, and then uh, later be able to get Chris done and, and Kelsey extended. Uh, so yeah, it, it took it took a little bit of nerve. I would I would say you know there were definitely some days where I was like, you know, uh, I'm not sure this is the right thing because we didn't even know we were going to have a season. Uh, we don't know what the salary cap is going to be next year, uh, but uh, we were able to construct the contracts in a way that we'll be able to navigate whatever happens. And uh, huge plus for for the Chiefs, and we're obviously delighted to have those players here for the long term. Go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Clark, how are you? Uh, great, thanks. Um, we've seen, uh, especially this summer, a lot of athlete-led demonstrations about social injustices. You had mentioned in 2017 that you had told your players, you know, you prefer that they would stand for the national anthem. I'm wondering if that's still the case, and um, if you've had any conversations with players about demonstrations that they might have on opening night. 
Yeah. So I've not had any conversation uh, with the players uh, on those issues. Um, I would say that, you know, we're in a very different place uh, as a country. Uh, these issues are very important to our players. They're important to our coaching staff, our entire organization. And uh, this is a time to, to be sensitive. It's a time to listen. It's a, it's a time to understand. Um, and I, I recognize that, you know, around, around the league, there may be uh, some kneeling that goes on with the national anthem. And I just think the country's in a really different place at this point. Let's go to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Clark, uh, good morning. You mentioned some of the extensions there earlier, and then Brett Veach has done a phenomenal job building a championship roster. He worked some magic to get a deal done with Jones, extensions done on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and I'm curious how much thought has gone into extending Brett, and if there is some thought to that, how close are you? Yeah, well, we're very lucky to have Brett as part of our organization. You're exactly right. He's done an amazing job over the last three years of taking a really good roster and turning it into a championship roster. And I think it's a roster now that's going to have a chance for, for multiple years to be a contender for the Super Bowl. Uh, he's done an outstanding job. He works extremely well with Coach Reed. He also has a great rapport with our players. Uh, so he's somebody that, that we want here for the long term. Uh, we tend to not talk about contract extensions until, until they're done, but uh, just suffice it to say that, that uh, we're fortunate to have Brett here and hope he's here a very long time. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Clark, I have two questions for you, and thanks for doing this. Uh, you mentioned that the country is in a different time right now. I just wondered if you could explain a little bit more in detail how your team – maybe able to better reflect uh, where the country is moving in terms of helping uh, social justice. And then secondly, uh, Mark Donovan mentioned the idea of Arrowhead perhaps being a polling booth on election day. Just what would it mean for you guys vote um, and be alongside the Chiefs in obviously democracy being an important part of the country? Yeah. Uh, Nate, you broke up there a little bit, but I think I got, got most of the, the question. Um, you know, going back to the beginning of the summer, uh, we've had a lot of conversations with the leadership group uh, on the team related to the social justice issues. Um, it, it's not something that's new to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, really going all the way back to the 1960s and 1970s. You know, my dad really encouraged uh, the players to get out there and use their platform to make a difference. Uh, in the community. A lot of those efforts over the decades have been focused on, on things that benefit the minority com communities. And uh, we're certainly more focused on that than ever. Uh, what I've really appreciated the last couple of years is how engaged the leaders on our, our team are. Uh, and I'll just take Patrick and Tyron uh, as examples. They're, they're very engaged. Uh, they they want to make a difference. They want to do things that are going to make our, our country better, uh, things that are going to help, help us get, get along as a country. Um, you referenced uh, Arrowhead being a, a polling station. That, that's one of their big issues is voter registration and, and getting people out, out to vote. And so uh, we've worked with them and we're working with some organizations here, here locally to try uh, to encourage people to get out to vote. We've made an effort to get all of our, our players 
uh, registered to vote, vote here. And then the icing on the cake would be if we, if we could have Arrowhead as a polling station. We don't know if that's going to work out, uh, but we've had some really good dialogue at some of the highest levels uh, with the state, and we, we hope it does. Let's go to Blair Kirkhoff. Go ahead, Blair. Mark, also, um, this summer and, and the, the awareness raising of Native American imagery, and I'm just wondering how your feelings have evolved over the course the Chiefs have you know, banned the headdresses and certain types of face paint, but I wonder how your feelings have evolved about the Native American imagery and your feelings on the Arrowhead Chop. Yeah, well, I think really going back 70 years ago when we started the dialogue uh, with our uh, Native American working group uh, here in Kansas City, that group represents approximately 30 tribes ar around the Midwest. Um, it was a real learning experience uh, for the organization. Um, I, I, I heard Mark Donovan the other day you know, mention just how much he learned, how much we learned as an organization. Uh, we learned that the face paint and the headdresses uh, were, were a big issue uh, for the tribes. And we started at that point uh, trying to discourage our fans from, from bringing them to the stadium. Uh, we made some progress on that over the la last six years. And of course, this summer, we took the next step, which is outright banning them uh, from bringing them in, into the stadium. I think the, the important thing on the, on the entire subject has been how important the education has been. Um, it, it, it's something that's important uh, to the American Indians, uh, both from a cultural heritage standpoint and just uh, preserving their traditions, but it's also a way of educating our fans that these things are offensive uh, to them. So instead of just coming out outright seven years ago and banning it, we've had this education process that's gotten us to the point where we are today. We've now expanded our relationship uh, beyond just the uh, group in the Midwest that we've been working with. We're, we're working with the, uh, the, the National Congress of American Indians. Uh, they represent over 570 tribes throughout North America, and we've had some really good conversations with them. They want us to expand our, our education. They want to work with us on that to, to even really take that to a higher level. And I'm sure there'll be some steps down the road we take on other things related to our game day production. Let's go to Pete Sweeney next. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, good morning, Clark. As the league's financial chair, just how difficult has it been to forecast everything that, that goes along with the losses in, in COVID? And maybe what are some strategies that you foresee the league taking really the next decade to get over some of the things that happened this year? Yeah, well, no doubt about it, uh, across professional sports, this is going to be one of the most difficult years ever. Uh, it's certainly in the last 40 or 50 years, there probably will not be a, a year like it. Uh, uh, pretty much everybody is going to lose, lose a lot of money, and there's just no way ar around it. Uh, the forecasting for the contingencies has also been very difficult. Um, and I think you guys saw it as we worked through the summer. You know, at times there was question about whether we would even have a season this year. Uh, if, if we had a season, is it going to be 16 games? Uh, are we going to have fans uh, uh, in attendance? Who can have fans, et cetera? So there, there's had to be a whole lot of contingency planning, uh, a lot of preparation to be able to absorb the losses. 
Um, in, in terms of long term, you know, I'd like to be an optim, optimist and think that a year from now, certainly two years from now, we're going to be, you know, past the pan, pandemic and uh, things will be, you know, somewhat back to normal or hopefully all the way back to normal. So uh, hopefully we, we, we can get back to, to where we were. But I, I think one thing that we've learned this year is to expect the unexpected. And uh, that, that's just where we are and you've got to be prepared for it. We've got time for a couple more guys. Let's go Matt Derrick and then Steve Walls to close it out. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Clark, I appreciate your time as always. Um, relating to Blair's question about the Native American imagery, um, I'm wondering, curious, how many conversations have you had and what have they been about the Chief's name and the Arrowhead name? And if there haven't been any discussions about those names, What's the difference between the Chiefs and, say, the Washington football team and Cleveland's baseball team and their names? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll probably stay away from, from comparisons to the Washington football team or, or teams in, in other sports. Um, we've just had a lot of very constructive conversations, and I've been part of those conversations with the leaders at the highest level. And we know the issues that, that they care about. Um, the, the name uh, and the name of the stadium are, are not things that are high on their list. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, project what's going to happen in the future, but I do know that we've got the right dialogue going on. Uh, these organizations know that we're sincere, uh, we, that we want to help them, that we want to help what they want to do from an education standpoint. Uh, I'm sure there will be more changes uh, in the future, as I mentioned, to our, our game day production. Uh, but uh, they were very uh, supportive of our decision uh, to eliminate the face paint and the headdresses this year, and uh, we'll just continue the dialogue from there. Let's go to Steve Walls with the last one. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Uh, good. Hey, when you, when you talked about it a little bit earlier, but when you think about your dad, Lamar Hunt, and his support for black athletes in, in the 1960s when he selected, of course, uh, Buck Buchanan and Otis Taylor from historically black colleges at a time when you, there may have been some backlash due to, to the racial tension. Uh, how much of what your dad did do you try to emulate as you go uh, with handling things today with your organization uh, as racial issues are going on in the world? Yeah. Well, my dad set a great example for me and my siblings on a lot of issues. And probably his greatest strength was how he treated people. And he didn't care where you came from, what your background was, what your race was. He treated everybody he met with respect and appreciation. And that, that's been a, a lesson that, you know, we, we've all learned. And, you know, just bringing it forward to what's going on uh, with racial equality and social injustice, you know, I, I think Andy probably said it as well as anyone. We, we just need to, to love our neighbor. And uh, if we'll do that, this world's going to be a whole lot better place. Clark, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. All right. Um, really not much uh, on the injury front. Um, we had a 10-10-10 today, um, and we're able to do it in the stadium in front of our fans. And then we actually had the flag raising, which was really a neat, neat event. Um, and it was a Super Bowl flag that they put up next to uh, the last one. So it's um, – uh, but anyways, the guys all stayed out for it. Fans were involved with it. And uh, Mitch Holtis and, and did a great job with uh, doing the announcing part of it. Anyways, with that, time's yours. Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm doing good, Sam. Thanks. Um, 
Obviously, this, this was an atypical training camp, and, and you're such a routine guy. You guys put so much work in into trying to make this work, even though it was going to be different. Um, how would you grade how this played out compared to what you wanted to get out of it? Yeah, you know, I came out, uh, well, today's kind of really the last, I guess, official day of training camp for, for us. We'll start regular practices here next week um, uh, as far as the schedule goes. <clears throat> so, I, listen, I I thought it went smooth. Uh, we had a good plan for it, and and uh, we were able to get the stuff in that we needed on both sides of the ball and special teams. So, um, I felt I came out of it feeling pretty good. We're, we're relatively healthy, and, and we'll be ready to go. Let's go to Robert Rimson. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Coach. So 2020 has been kind of a rough year for everybody. seems like every day a different icon is passing away, coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. I was just wondering if you had any words of encouragement for the people to try and get them through what's been a tough year. Yeah, well, listen, we're a tough country and we're, uh, you know, we handle things and we're doing that right now with all the different situations going on and, and people's life that are being affected by different situations. So, um, whether it's with a pandemic or racially, uh, we're attacking the issue and, and uh, all the way around. And, you know, I'm proud of, proud of the way we're doing it, uh, with the exception of any of the violence that goes with it. So, um, uh, we're, but we're addressing, addressing issues, which becomes important. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, happy last day of camp. I realized there was so much uncertainty entering the offseason and even to get to this point. How impressed are you that you all were able to pull this camp off and now you're less than two weeks away from the start of the regular season? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's uh, it, there was some responsibility that took place with, uh, with the players and um, taking care of themselves and the coaches taking care of themselves just physically with the, with the virus surrounding uh, the different areas. So we, um, you know, we were able to work our way through it and I thought we got things accomplished um, uh, and, the, and the guys stayed, stayed focused and, uh, you know, on the job at hand. So, um, I, you know, I was proud of it and proud of the guys the way all of us handled, handled it. The organization, I mean, the plan that they had, Rick Burkholder, Mark Donovan, Mitch uh, Reynolds and Kirsten was involved during the summer. These people gave up their summers to make sure that we could pull this off safely. Rocco, who's in charge of our facility here and his crew. So, um, you know, it's important though that we, we don't pull the pedal off the gas here, that we continue on um, in, in all the directions that have been presented this, uh, um, this camp. So, um, and then we continue to focus on, on the things we need to do, not only to play uh, the Texans, but also going forward, obviously with the racial situations. Go to Matt Derrick, go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach, raising the flag is just another one of the steps and, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl. Um, for you, what kind of emotions, you know, going through your mind uh, out there watching the flag going up, and, and how much are you looking to be able to celebrate that with at least 16,000 people on Thursday night? Yeah, well, it's a neat deal. So uh, I think, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. The, the thing we've done, though, we've we tried to focus the best we can on just going forward, uh, but this was a great, uh, you know, great, kind of cap on it, um, as I'm sure the beginning of Thursday. Well, but the Texans are coming to town, so uh, we understand that. And we've got to make sure we're ready for a heck of a football team. We know how good they are, and heck, we've played them enough and gone back and forth with these guys. And so it should just be a phenomenal game for, for the fans and, and those people watching on TV. I, 
you know, and it's exciting for the coaches and players to, to get ready to have that kind of competition to open with. Let's go Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Good morning, Coach. With this being uh, super unique, I, I imagine we won't talk to you until you start Texans week at the end of next week. I just was wondering what happens with the team between now and the cutdown date. Yeah, so they'll get a day off tomorrow, and then um, they'll be back at it. We'll start our in-season type practices. Not that we're necessarily working all Texans. That's not necessarily what we're doing, but we're, we're uh, getting them used to these in-season practices where you have the walkthrough in the morning, the practice in the early afternoon and and uh, that that kind of routine that uh, they'll be going through once we start uh, the Texans week. It's not, it's really not different than what we've done in the past when we break camp at uh, at St. Joe. We come back and we we do the same thing. So looks like we've got two more hands up. Let's go, Darren, and then Todd to close it out. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Coach. Uh, good morning to you. Um, yeah. A couple questions. Obviously, you know, you raised the banner and stuff up today. When do you all receive your Super Bowl rings? And then secondly, you know, how does opening up the season differ on a Thursday night like you did against New England a few years ago uh, compared differently to open up on, on the Sunday? Yeah, so we get Super Bowl rings here pretty quick. I think they're, they're going to probably announce that here somewhere. I'm going to leave that up to Ted to announce it, but it, it's put the pressure back on him. It's coming, though, and, uh, you know, our players are – fired up about it and, and we'll just uh, you know it should be a great great evening and an opportunity then to, to move forward and, and kind of put that put that behind you and get ready for the for the next season and then hit me with that, that last part that you, uh, yes I know uh, so how does um, how does uh, starting or opening up on a Thursday night differ from 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 a Sunday when you all like played New England a few years ago and now you're you know open up the season how does that differ from you know no more preparation than you were yeah. So the days are different uh, by name, but really they're the same by season. So we'll give it, we'll have the, we'll still have the Monday, the Tuesday, even though it's a different day um, of the week, but um, we'll, we'll treat it the exact same way that we, we have in the past and, um, and get ourselves ready to go. Um, it, we started early, so uh, there was a little bit of you're the first show to, to start here and everybody's watching, uh, both us and the Texans and, and um, but Listen, everybody's in it now, and they're grinding their way through it. And uh, it'd be good just to get to game week and get ourselves uh, headed in, in one direction, and that's uh, uh, getting ready to play. You know, the Texans. Go to Todd Lebo to close it out. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Coach. Just, I mean, you're coming off winning the Super Bowl, so it's obviously you've got a very good team. But are there edges? You've made it through camp. What are the biggest areas of concern you have with your squad right now, if any? Yeah, well, you know, we've got a couple of guys nicked up, but not much. And, uh, um, but, you know, you want to get everybody healthy and ready to go and maintain that through the next uh, less than a couple of weeks here. So uh, before we get ready, but at the same time, stay in good football shape, uh, which they've worked hard to put themselves in to. And, um, and then uh, really it's uh, like every first game, um, you've got to prepare for a variety of things because you don't know exactly what, the menu they're going to present uh, to you. So you've got to make sure offensively, defensively, and special teams that you have many of the bases covered as you can. Um, and at the same time, get yourself ready uh, with whatever you're going to do. And, and uh, it's nice to, it's always nice at the end of camp to be able to narrow it down. You have this huge menu that you're working off of with plays on both sides of the ball. And all of a sudden now you can kind of focus it in and 
it's almost a relief to the players that they don't have to memorize a thousand plays, but you can narrow it down to their, uh, you know, the base stuff that you're going to go into the game with. Coach, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Appreciate you during camp too, folks. Thank you. Hey, uh, Patrick, how are you doing this morning? I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, obviously, the passing of uh, Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, I know you're probably a big fan of his, but also um, you you had comments that you made with Peter King earlier this week uh, about fans who, you know, may not be supportive, but, you know, fancy themselves as Chiefs fans. But, of course, the comments and stuff that they've made, uh, you know, on your timeline and Tyron's timeline, uh, timeline about what you all are doing for voter registration and Black Lives Matter. Uh, could you kind of expound on that, if you would? Yeah, the first part with uh, Chadwick Bozeman. I mean, obviously a huge fan of all of his work. And then at the same time, I got to, I got to be on the, the shop with him uh, right after the, right after the season. And I got to meet him uh, after the, after that. We, I mean, obviously had a conversation there. And then we went to the basketball the NBA All-Star game. And we sat right beside each other, uh, his wife, my girlfriend. They, they talked. Uh, just great people. And uh, obviously uh, rest in peace to him. Uh, was a great person, so uh, total respect and total fan fan of of him and his work. Um, and then to go with the, the the second part of the question, yeah, I mean it was, it's more of I'm I'm gonna do whatever I, what I believe and what I believe is right, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to fight for equality for all people. And uh, I mean I feel like I've shown that over the, this off season. I'm gonna continue that fight, and uh, we're I'm not worried about people uh, and how and how they're gonna do negative stuff back to me. Uh, I'm worried about doing what's right for humanity and making sure that all people uh, feel equal. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Pat, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good. Hey, a couple things. Um, first of all, um, you guys um, have been so good offensively, particularly on opening day since you've been here, and that includes your rookie year, that game in New England. Not that you guys haven't been good on offense other days as well, but what is it? Is there something you can point to, your preparations, game plan, whatever it might be for um, uh, opening day that allows you guys to be so on point uh, on those particular days? And also, wanted to go back something you said after you uh, signed your contract. You talked about the, the length of the contract, but you felt comfortable in part because uh, Brett Feach you felt like was going to be here. What specifically about him do you like uh, as far as going forward with, with him as the general manager? Uh, yeah, well, the first part of your question, uh, as far as the offense goes, I think that goes to the, the full team. I mean, uh, Coach Reed runs a great training camp. I think that that's a big part of it. He puts us in situations that are really game-like. Um, and, uh, which I feel like is a huge advantage, especially with no preseason games. I mean, he's putting us in these situations every single day uh, where we might not be tackling full, but we're putting in situations where we're in third and long, uh, third and short, trying to figure out ways to go out throughout a game and, and situations that you'll be a part of. So I feel like that's why we start uh, so fast and because and we're ready right out of the gate because of the training camp that coach, coach runs. And then uh, the second part of your question, can you, can you say the second part of your question one more time about Veach one more time? Just when you um... – you guys hear me? Yeah, but I got you. Okay, sorry. Um, when you signed your contract, I asked you why you felt so comfortable going so uh, so long into the future. And among the other reasons, you said, well, I feel like Brett Feach is going to be here for that whole time. And So what specifically about Brett do you feel comfortable with working with him for a long period of time? 
Uh, I think first off is his work ethic. I mean, he, he's a guy that's in the facility almost as much as Coach Reed. I mean, he's someone he's here all the time. He's watching a ton of film. And then I think it's someone that you can trust and someone that's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And uh, to, to have people like that that you can go to, he's going to tell you the negative, he's going to tell you the positive, whatever it is, uh, no matter who you are, uh, that's someone that you can really uh, trust. You know that they're going to give you whatever they have every single day. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Patrick. Good to see you, man. Um, you guys are finishing up camp. We're going to get to talk to Clark right after you. Uh, I remember when you signed your contract, you said that, you know, you can't do this for every organization. Just what has Clark's leadership been like for you to watch? And what does it mean to him that he's been so um, proactive in your guys' efforts off the field as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it shows this organization has ran the right way. And Clark being at the, the top of it all the way down, I mean, they hire people and they put people in position to, to be the best that they can be every single day. And uh, they, they're the same way with us. They communicate with us uh, whenever we want to communicate with them. Uh, and we have those open conversations and we, we thoroughly listen to each other. And so uh, I feel like that's why you get such a great culture that we have here and uh, such great players. And we go out in the field and, uh, and, we, and we win football games. So we really trust each other every single day. Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Pat, uh, on this year's Hard Knocks, we got to see some internal discussions about the social justice stuff. And one of the frustrations was just how much emphasis there is on whether or not uh, you're going to kneel. So not asking that, but why is that so frustrating as one of the faces of the league that there's just so much emphasis on maybe the gesture and, and not the message behind the gesture? I mean, I think you, you said it exactly what it is. It, it's, it's because it's became something where it's whether or not you're going to kneel instead of what, what the reason why uh, the kneeling began in, in the beginning, which was social injustices and uh, police brutality. And I, I feel like that, that's been the, the biggest thing is it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the gesture, but it's, we're trying to fix something. We're trying to make it where it's equal for everybody. Everybody feels safe. Everybody feels secure. Uh, everybody can go about living their life. Uh, and, and they really truly care about the person next to them. And I feel like that's why, it's be, that's why people feel like it's became such a thing. It's because every single time you get interviewed or you go out and you're, you're in public, people are asking, are you going to kneel? Are you not going to kneel? They're not asking about the actual injustices that you're, that you're trying to fix and what you're trying to help the, the community with. We've got time for a couple more guys. Let's go Todd Lebo and then Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Patrick. Uh, the, the rookies this year, I think, have an incredible challenge playing their first ever snap of their NFL lives in an actual game. Can you even understand how tough that's going to be for those guys? I mean, you got to play in all the preseason games and sit and watch for a while. How tough is it going to be to actually have your first snap in the National Football League be in a real game? Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll 100% be different. I mean, not being able to, to go about and run the offense in a game. I mean, I think it's more you running a new system. Every You're coming from college to a new system. You're having to run that offense, play fast without thinking, but still execute and do do what you're supposed to do every single play. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. Um, but like I said, I think Coach Reed runs a great training camp, and he puts those guys in those situations. And he, and he puts those rookies. We've had rookies run with the ones. We've had rookies run with the threes. We've had them run with the twos. They, they're really putting every single situation for them to go out there and thrive and do with adversity and so I think that's that's to be the biggest challenge is just how you deal with adversity quickly and how you get back and go out there and be a positive impact on the team. Let's go to Matt Derrick to close this out. Go ahead Matt. Hey Patrick the raising of the flag is just you know one in the latest you know round of celebrating the Super Bowl win. I'm curious you know what were your thoughts as far as that goes up and on that Thursday night you've, you've seen from the sidelines what goes on at a Super Bowl championship in 2017 how much are you just looking forward to all of that that's going to be going on, even if it's not going to be a full stadium? 
Yeah, I'm just, I think I'm just looking forward to be about, being back in Arrowhead playing football for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, the championship banner is going to be special. It's going to be something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And I, I'm, I'm glad that we have a lot of the same guys on the team that were with me for that journey. And we're going to enjoy that together, and then we're going to get right back to playing and try to find a way to, 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 to go get another one. Patrick, we appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thank you. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You just heard from Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes, and now we continue on with Chiefs Defensive Coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today? Great, Adam. Good. Um, hey, was wondering uh, a question about Taco Charlton. Um, what you've learned about him maybe after a month or whatever of coaching him, and do you sort of have a feel for what what his strengths and weaknesses are, whether he's just a pass rusher or maybe if you have a need, he can be an every-down kind of guy? Yeah, I mean, I, Adam, I'd like to think he's more than that. Uh, hard to tell right now. I mean, we're going off of the history that he's had in the league and also what we've seen. Downside, uh, haven't seen him in a game. Uh, the system is new, uh, so there is a learning curve, and there have been some things that he's had to work through from a mental standpoint. I really like the way Frank's been working with Taco because um, they, they, they know each other a little bit, and I think Frank's taken on that role of trying to mentor or help Taco, and he realizes Taco's in a new team. Frank went through the same thing last year. So I like the way they're working together. It's going to take a little while, but we can figure out exactly where Taco fits in. But love his length, you know. Love a lot of things he does. He's been working real close with uh, Brendan Daly. Daly uh, Brendan does a great job with those guys. So hopefully we can get him to a point where he helps us on all downs. Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Good morning, Steve. Uh, I was curious about uh, Ben Neiman and his progress and, and what has maybe made him a candidate to, to get some additional time this season. Yeah, you know what, Pete? The, the, if, it, if you had to say one thing that makes him a candidate, it's from the chin to the hairline. A very intelligent football player. Uh, we all know his dad's a football coach and played at Iowa and all that. But I got a great deal of respect for Ben. Uh, he, he's a true pro. He knows everything we put in. Uh, he's a great communicator, has become a great communicator. Uh, I got great confidence in him and Hitch when we put them in front of the huddle and when they break the huddle and have to make a, adjustments. And I would tell you this. I think Ben moves around a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh, I mean, he's tall and all that. But I, I, still, I think he's a really good knee bender. Uh, that's why we put him out in pass coverage, and I'm looking forward to watching Ben play some football this fall. Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Great, Sam. Um, just can you uh, expand on how you're going to determine a 53-man roster without 
preseason games? I mean, obviously not getting into the details of exactly who, who you're keeping and cutting, but just that, the, how different the process is this year. Yeah, it, 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 there's a little bit of a challenge with it. Um, I think the way Coach uh, constructed the training camp was really good. You know, we do things fast. I'm always trying to test them mentally, even in walkthroughs. You know, I try to make them go fast. I, we got to find out who can think. You know, when the bullets are flying, you know, is somebody going to stick their hand, uh, head in the sand and, and uh, go to sleep on us? We, we certainly don't want those guys. But identifying – listen, uh, Brett Veach does a great job. Andy does. They got a good pulse beat on it. Sometimes as coaches, you know, we get so wrapped up in the scheme and getting ready to play an opponent that we forget about the personnel. And we don't forget about it, but that kind of gets lost. And then we got to reprogram ourselves to look at uh, who's what. But I'm hoping – and feel confident that we'll pick the right guys. Um, we're very fortunate in the fact that we have some guys returning from last year, so that make, gives us a little bit of a comfort level. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, you actually answered my question there. <laughs> I was going to ask you like – One shot, huh? Yeah, there you go. It wasn't, I didn't even have a two-part question there, but it's like you mentioned the advantage some of the guys coming back from um, the roster last year. But, like, what's your message to the guys who had the disadvantage of not having the benefits of OTAs and mandatory minicamp as, as they try to make this roster? Yeah, my, the first thing I have said is, is follow the guys that were here. I mean, the guys that were around a year ago have gone through it. Um, and I think the player-to-player -player relationship and conversations are as important as any in this league. And I think, I think every player will tell you that. Um, let's face it. After a while, they don't really want to listen to me. They'd rather listen to one of their buddies. Uh, and I think our guys that have been around do a really good job of that, sharing the information. I don't think anybody's trying to hide anything. Uh, and we need everybody. We need a lot of guys to step up, play for us, um, play early that maybe weren't involved in the system a year ago. Uh, but having great communicators and Hitch, Tyron, uh, Dan Sorensen, Ben we mentioned, I think helps anybody that's in the system now that was not in it last year. Go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Good morning. Oh, actually, good after early noon, Steve. Um, with the defensive linemen in making the roster cuts, how much of a factor will be flexibility as to whether you can play inside or outside? That's a great point. Great, great point. Um, well, look at the, the league – uh, the way offenses are constructed now, uh, we all know we're in more quote-unquote sub uh, than we are in base defense. So that becomes really important. I mean, a guy that can – I mean, typically you have the guys that play outside that they can go inside on third down or a passing down. We've got a few of those. Um, you know, really, uh, Chris is the only guy that we'd ever take from inside and move him out. We had to do it a little bit last year because of injury. So hopefully that doesn't happen. He's always – pulling at me to go out there and play the end. I think he asked me every day. Uh, but listen, he can do a lot of things. I think in this, in this age of football, I think being flexible throughout the 11 positions on defense is really important. I mean, the corner position is unique, but safeties that can be linebackers like Dan does for us, you know, safeties that can go play the slot like Tyron does for us, ends that can go inside. I think anytime you can be flexible and versatile, it's going to help your overall defense. Got time for a couple more guys. Let's go Matt, Derek, and then Todd Lebo. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach, you actually touched a little bit there on what I wanted to ask you about, which was about the safety position. And, you know, how has it changed in your, your time in the league as far as what you want from safeties? Because, you know, once upon a time, that was a turnover position. Yeah. But now it's, you know, you seem to want some flexibility and guys who can do a lot of different things there. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny when you ask that question, um, my mind goes way back to earlier when I was in the league and I think they said that more that the safety pit position wasn't valued, but I can tell you this, we really valued Brian Dawkins. <laughs> he was, uh, so, you know, you're kind of talking about uh, a spot that I think against offensive football now does become really important because if you don't have a little bit of skill at that position, offensive coaches are way too smart. They, uh, they find the mismatches and put you in tough situations. We're fortunate that we have some guys that maybe can play wideouts as safety, still support the run. Uh, when you have that, it makes you better. Uh, but has there been a change in that position? I'd probably say, yeah, based on, um, you know, w- way back when you'd put three wideouts in, which was not as prevalent as it is now, typically you'd throw another corner in the game. With the speed of the way offenses are now, by that I mean the tempo of going in and out, you don't get a chance to do that. So if you don't have safeties that have a little versatility, you're really restricted in what you can call. So having a little flexibility with a guy that can play a slot is really, really important. Let's go to Todd Lebo to close it out. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Coach. You kind of mentioned this a little bit with Sam and Herbie's questions about trying to pick the guys when you haven't had OTAs and, and exhibition games. Just how, how hard is it going to be for these defensive guys, first year in your defense and all that, to have the first snap they ever take actually be in a National Football League game? Yeah, we're going to find out quickly here, aren't we? Uh, yeah, it's baptism by fire, right? You know, the old saying. And that's going to have to happen. We, we've talked about it. We're going to have to live with some growing pains, I think, at some positions. And, but what you hope is that the nucleus of the guys around them, you know, will step up their game. We're all hoping. I hope up, I step up my game. We all do step up. And that we can maybe, you know, camouflage those issues a little bit. And listen, when we – if somebody does get exposed or something happens like that, you know, get them on the ground, let's line up and play another down. Um, but it happens. Everybody's going to deal with it around the league everywhere. Uh, we certainly got our spots. But I'm confident in the guys that have been around here that they can rally um, and help out these young guys. Coach, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. You got it. Thanks. You've played in a, you know, a couple different systems now, and I'm just curious, you know, what you've learned so far about playing in Steve Spagnuolo's system and working with the D-backs coach. How is it what, – what have you learned to expect that they're going to ask you to do, especially as far as, you know, versatility and flexibility of your position? Well, number one, I can appreciate uh, Coach Spags and Coach Merritt and the entire defensive side for uh, just giving me the opportunity, number one. And uh, secondly – they see that I can pick up on the defense uh, very fast, which is a very difficult defense, I would have to say, uh, compared to the other defenses I've been in. Uh, not knocking any of those defenses, but this is very detailed and very specific. And uh, they see with me being able to be very versatile that they're trying me in all the spots on the on the on the backfield. And so um, I'm just open and I'm prepared, and I'm, they're doing a great job with preparing me for the every position that they think that I could best contribute to the defense. Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Antonio. Dave Tobe has called you the, the best gunner on this team. I, I was wondering what's your take on, on why you have such a knack for that position? Uh, number one, whatever role they call me on or to be on, I just try to give my best effort that I can. And whatever accolades or whatever um, praise they want to give me is solely on them. I don't try to go out and do nothing more and nothing less. I just try to go out there and perform at my best ability. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. 
Hey, Antonio. I know there's no preseason games to kind of go through the live rehearsal of understanding all the new things that you're doing and inspecting all those defense. But given the fact that you are competing on a daily basis with this wide receiver core, how does that prepare you in a way uh, comparable to other past training camps or other preseasons? Uh, Coach Reed's offense is amazing. And the speed and the amount of reps that we are able to obtain uh, in the different periods at practice, um, it's, it's just crazy. To, like, it hits the speed and how the offense works that we get a lot of work in. And so I'm able to get uh, – 10 reps at corner, 10 reps at nickel, 10 reps at safety because we get so many reps in that I'm able to uh, get as much repetition in every spot. So I'm I'm learning and I'm able to make a mistake and get it corrected and then still able to go out and and put it on tape and then perform it in a way that best benefits the defense. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Antonio. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. Um, as you mentioned, you're playing a lot of spots back there. Have you ever played a role quite like what it looks like you're going to be playing this year? And uh, what do you think about this role? I mean, do you feel like it fits your talents? Um, most definitely. Um, it shows that I'm very versatile because I can cover anybody that they put out there, whether it's big, small, quick, fast, or slow. Um, even when I was in the uh, system with Coach Norton, uh, Ken Norton Jr., who's now in Seattle, who was in Oakland with me my first two years. I played both corner and nickel, and occasionally they would sprinkle me in at safety a little bit. And even back to college, um, I did corner, nickel, and safety, everything. So um, I can really appreciate Coach Spags and the entire uh, defensive side for um, using me in such a way. And whatever best fits them to think that uh, – me being out on the field in a certain time or certain package is going to help us win, then I'm going to make sure that I put my best foot forward. Looks like we've got three questions left. Let's go Robert, Todd, and then Herbie. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Antonio. So uh, what's your biggest takeaway from camp this year, especially with how odd it's been and with no preseason games and everything like that? Uh, the biggest takeaway would just be how well the uh, Chiefs organization operates. Um, very detailed. They have everything going smooth. We haven't ran into any into um, any roadblocks. Uh, we've been getting in great work. The amount of reps, like as I was speaking earlier, that we get in a bunch of reps. So everything has been very game-like. So the Chiefs organization as a whole has done a great job with keeping us all safe and along with our families and allowing us um, uh the opportunity to get in good work on the field along with whatever the league wants us to do as far as protocols with the COVID stuff. Let's go to Todd Lebo. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, uh, Antonio, you mentioned how complicated this defense is. You've been in the defense before. You've been in a couple of different training camps with other organizations. You had the ability to go through OTAs and all that stuff in your career. Can you just speak to how – what do you think these rookies who have never – played in an NFL game, it's going to be like for them to have their first ever snap to be actually in an NFL game, not a preseason game and all that. How, how much different that kind of speed goes up. And can you take me back to like, man, when you were a rookie, what that would have been like to have your first play actually be in a real game? Uh, yeah, I would say um, it's an advantage and a disadvantage at the same time. Um, coming in, I was undrafted. I was the last corner on the board. So basically, uh, all the way up, probably I'll say to the fourth year of my career. Uh, 
being able to put that film out there in those preseason games to show not only the organization that I was playing for, but the other organizations as well that I can play was very vital. And um, that's a process and that's a step that those guys aren't being able to get. But I would say the thing, as I spoke earlier about the Chiefs organization and how we operate during practice, is they are game reps. It's game quality reps. So if I believe that the guys who have been here or who are fighting for their jobs along with myself, um, we take the reps very seriously and, and we understand that they, are, they all are game reps. So with that, if you can, I feel like me personally, from my past training camps, and like I said, it's not knocking any of the other organization that I played for, but these type of reps and this type of training camp that Coach Reed is running here is is different. <laughs> it's different. It's game-like reps and every rep. Uh, we got some of the fastest receivers in the league here, and so we get to go out there and cover those guys, and if you can cover anybody here, I feel like we can cover anybody in the league and then. For those rookies that may not make it, I think this should be a message for the other teams if they somehow or another get the opportunity to hear it, that everybody here ready, period. Let's go to Herbie with the last one. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Antonio, I want to follow up on um, Pete Sweeney's earlier question on playing the gunner position, and I'm hoping to get inside your head here. From the time you line up uh, when you're split wide and when the blockers are in front of you and – you know you have to beat them to get down the field. What's running through your mind from the snap to when you're actually down the field and you're able to make contact with the receiver? Uh, first, uh, I would like to thank uh, Coach Thomas McGahey, the special teams coordinator with the Giants, how he explained it uh, to us about how it is being a gunner. First, it's a fight. Second, it's a track meet. So my mentality is, depending on what team we're playing and how the guys are in front of me, lets me know, okay, number one, do I get ready to fight or can I beat them with quickness and just outrun everybody? So it's depending on the scheme and depending on the type of player that I'm facing on the opposite side of the ball. So most of the time, uh, as I've got for the last two years, I've been double teamed. So almost every snap. So I'm thinking fight first. And uh, I figure it out on the, on the uh, way down the field because a lot of it is improvised because it happens so fast. You just have to let your body just takes over and whatever your instincts kick to, trust it and go with it. Antonio, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Andy Heck loves flexibility and offensive linemen. And so I'm just curious, you know, is there a position along the line that you have not played during camp? And as an offensive lineman, how do you get yourself in the mindset of knowing that you might be pushed into play at any position at any time? Right. Uh, well, I haven't taken any snaps yet. Um, but I just, I've been playing both left and right guard and tackle. Um, I'm just trying to do whatever I possibly can to, um, be ready for any given situation. Cause you never know what's going to happen during the season. Um, but yeah, when it comes to actually like, you know, getting ready for those positions, I mean, that's instead of kind of studying, you know, one or two guys, I mean, you gotta be ready for all across the line because you never know who you're going to be playing against. So, um, that'll be a little different this year, but I'm looking forward to the challenge. Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, with having the study, really, I guess the whole defensive line, I guess meetings will become more important. So I'm wondering, uh, how has the fit been for you in Kansas City with some of the other guys? You feel like you're really gotten integrated and, and part of this team now. Yeah, um, I absolutely love it here. I love all my teammates. Um, 
I feel very fortunate to be here. Um, uh, love the Chiefs, love the entire organization, the coaches, down to the players. Um, I feel very lucky, and I really enjoy playing next to these guys, and um, everyone's been very helpful and um, making sure I'm going in the right direction. And, um, yeah, so everything, it's just been nothing but positive experiences here. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Mike, appreciate you taking some time here. To kind of follow up on Matt's first question there, there's a saying in the National Football League, the more you can do. You know, right. When did that hit you at your point of career, and how much pride do you take in your versatility? Um, yeah, so I, I think that's been incredibly important um, in my NFL career for sure because I started on practice squad, and um, at that point you're playing every position, whatever they need you're playing, and then um, – you know, early in my career, my main goal was just to be on the field. And um, so you just got to be ready to, to be thrown in at any position. And, and uh, so being very versatile, especially for younger guys, is incredibly important. Um, I've gotten a lot of experience of playing multiple positions and starting games at um, four different positions. So um, uh, that's been great, just having some experience to fall back on. But um, it's been, uh, you know, interesting um, – going, you know, a different, different camp for me because I'm used to, you know, usually just kind of sticking at one spot. Um, so I've been kind of going around and then learning a new offense and then having to learn all the ins and outs for each positions. Um, it's, it's been a challenge, but uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun though. And um, looking forward to this, the season to finally start. We're almost there guys. Let's go to Robert Rimson. Go ahead, Robert. Hey Mike. So I asked Antonio this earlier. What's your what's been your biggest takeaway from camp, especially being one of the newer guys on the team? Um, well, I just I love Coach Reed and I love his coaching style, and I just it all starts from there and, and works its way down. It's just it's just a great environment here. Um, I've been like I was saying earlier. I'm very fortunate to be here and um, love being here. And um, when the Chiefs offered me, I was like, yeah, let's definitely do it. I really want to just experience what it's like playing here and. Um, the success that they had last year is, you know, it's behind us at this point and, and just looking forward to the season. And, um, you know, it's just a very hardworking team, very dedicated, hardworking team. We've got a couple more. Let's go Todd and then Nate. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Mike, Antonio was telling us earlier that it felt like the in practice, since there's no games and there's yeah. no exhibition games and everything, everything seems like a game rep. Like it's been a different – kind of feel at this camp. Now, they're out there playing, you know, defensive back and all that stuff. Has it been like that in the line? Have they felt more like game reps? I know you can't have true contact. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's full go. And, I mean, especially with no preseasons, I feel like the coaches have been trying to make the situations as game-like as possible just so we have experience and we can kind of run through those drills, uh, certain situations, key situations that, you know, would probably come up during the preseason. Um, we've been going through those. Um, each day, different situations, and um, just trying to make each practice as game-like as possible. It's been, uh, you know, getting a lot of reps, and a lot of younger guys are getting a lot of reps too um, with, uh, you know, having 80 guys instead of 90. So there's a lot of guys that normally want to be getting reps that are getting a lot of reps during the um, practice. So it's good for them to be able to get some tape for the coaches uh, to evaluate because it's, it's tough not having the preseason games for those guys. Let's go to Nate to close it out. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Mike. I'm just interested, from your perspective, learning those multiple positions yeah. in the new playbook and your previous experience, what's it been like to understand Pat's mindset in terms of the protection calls given where you are on a given rep 
actually right. try to get to know what the quarterback's thinking based on what the situation is, where whether where you are, um, if you are needed upon at a certain position. Yeah, so, I mean, number one is just knowing what you're doing on a given play, and um, I've been definitely getting some reps with the ones and um, just being able to watch film and hear him, how, how his brain kind of – how the protections kind of hit his brains and certain blitzes and um, just trying to learn those ins and outs. And, uh, yeah, there was a few times, you know, earlier that I, I was like, oh, I wasn't kind of expecting it. But, um, no, we've definitely been working through those things. And um, and I think the big thing is just getting mental reps. Um, when I'm not in there, I'm sitting there next to Coach Heck and I'm knowing the play and I'm evaluating what I would be doing um, from the sidelines. So um, just always being ready. Mike, we appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. All right. See you guys later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.